Hello. Hello. Welcome to Generation Gap Cinema. I'm Tucker's dad. And I guess I'm Tucker. I guess. This is a show where an old guy and a not-so-old guy talk about movies. We'll talk about movies you can see in the theater and movies you can see at home. We'll go ahead and get started. Tucker, what movie can you see at the theater? Yeah, I can see, and I did see, Elvis. I very much enjoyed this movie. It's directed by Baz Luhrmann of Great Gatsby fame. Uh, it was released uh, June 24th currently as we record this in its eighth week. It's 159 minutes, uh, kind of close to the 245 mark. Um, and right now, uh, on an $85 million budget, it's made about 235 worldwide. So it's already made back its money. Um, and I think it very much deserved it. It's a very good movie. Um, at some points, it is a little bit stylistic for my taste, a little bit too much Baz Luhrmann. But the end, the last act of the movie is just brilliant. It's it's sad, it's heartwarming, and it's it really goes further than other biopics have in actually showing the downfall. Unlike Bohemian Rhapsody, which ends at the Live Aid concert and doesn't show, you know, what happened after that. They, they took this movie away from Baz Luhrmann halfway through making it. They could You could see a Bohemian Rhapsody-esque cut where it ends with Elvis starting at the hotel and doesn't show any of, of fat Elvis. It's, it's very interesting to see how they, it goes the whole mile. It shows the tragic ending, and it really, the last scene is probably my favorite in the entire movie. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's, it's just, it's beautiful. Interesting. Now, you obviously are way too young to have ever seen Elvis, even on TV, when he was alive. You said something in your comments that I thought was interesting. To Baz Luhrmann, what does that mean? What did you see in that movie that was to Baz Luhrmann? Well, there's just several scenes at, you know, especially in the first kind of act where it's just, I still felt a little bit nauseous because there were probably 10 minute chunks where the average cut was a second, a second and a half. And there was all, you know, there was multiple shots on screen at once. And I, I like it. I understand it. And I think it's good at kind of portraying that in montage form. It's just the montages are a bit... Um, bit too fast for my taste it's sometimes a little bit too over the top um it really this these are all criticisms i have about the first act maybe half of the movie really in the back half all those problems go away and you know near the end it's it's really paced expertly even if it isn't near the beginning so i saw the movie too um it was good it was not great. Baz definitely has a style about him, about the way he makes movies. And as the Gen Xer at the table, which is to say the old dude. Super old. Super old dudes. It's fun for an hour, but for after a while it gets to be kind of superfluous. That's a good Gen X word. But in spite of that, I thought the lead actor, uh, Austin, what's his name? Austin uh, Butler. Austin Butler did an excellent job. I actually, even in, as a Gen Xer, am just barely old enough to remember the day Elvis died. I was about six or seven when he died. And I do remember hearing it on the news, but he did not have an impact on my life the way he had uh, an impact on the boomers' lives. I thought also in passing that Tom Hanks 
did a very good job being essentially a villain or as close to a villain as this movie's going to get uh, in the form of Colonel Parker. And there's been some interesting things written about whether it was entirely fair. I would say overall Elvis, which you can still see in theaters now, is very much worth seeing. I give it three stars out of four. What about you, Tiger? Uh, I'd give it three and I give it three and a half. Um, you know, one last little note is that I actually disagree a little bit. I think I think Austin Butler's going to get an Oscar nomination for this, but I I felt you know Tom Hanks was a little bit over the top, especially going back and then watching footage of the actual Colonel Parker, where it's just a mild mild Southern accent instead of um, uh, whatever Tom Hanks is doing. Though I I kind of understand, you know, you get in the giant fat suit. You gotta kind of play it up a bit, and it, I do think it, it helps a little bit with the grandiose um, nature of the movie. You know, he's he's over the top. Elvis was over the top, and Elvis the movie is over the top. So, but you know, it's over the top in a great way, which is why I say three and a half stars. Okay. All right, um, your movie, which is in theaters now, one of my favorites in theaters, and I believe now one of yours. Talk about experiences that a Gen Zer just can't have. Being a teenager in the 80s, going to a movie theater, sitting down and experiencing multiple times the glory that was the original Top Gun. Uh, it wasn't a smart movie. It wasn't uh, wonderfully acted. It wasn't wonderfully written. It was, in terms of the art of cinema, very average. But it was so much fun. We didn't care. And it had a great soundtrack and all kinds of other really fun, good things about it. So it made a bajillion dollars. You can look it up. Now, good Lord, almost 40 years later, they went and made Top Gun Maverick. Maverick uh, comes back to the Top Gun school. He is now a captain, which for those of you who don't know in the Navy, a captain is a rank roughly equivalent to a colonel in the army. It's pretty high up. It's just short of a general, really. But he had not been uh, as part of flight instruction for a while. And of course, he has to bring along a cadre of totally Gen Z young pilots. And of course, they have to do an incredibly daring mission in a uniquely dangerous situation. This movie is directed by Joseph Kaczynski and stores Tom Cruise, Jennifer Connelly, and Miles Teller. Now, the new movie is better than the original in some key ways. Um, they did a real service to the difficulties and realities of flight. They actually, the flying scenes you see in this movie are actually actors strapped into the backs of the planes involved. Obviously, they're not pilots. The Navy would never let them fly the real planes, but there's a real Navy pilot in the front seat. So the G-forces you see are real. The maneuvers you see are real. The terrain you see underneath is CGI that makes it look like they're oh so close to being, you know, dashed against the rocks or whatever. But the fact that that's the only thing that's CGI really comes through in many of the performances, in the tension in the movie. Uh, it hits all the right notes in terms of nostalgia. It's not a particularly new story. It's actually pretty much the same story as the first one with a couple of wiggles thrown in. They uh, 
gave Tom Cruise and Jennifer Connelly a love interest who was, again, about 10 years younger than he is. It's a nice little romantic sub-story there that is a little more real than the original, I thought. But overall, I was very impressed. It was a lot of fun. And uh, aside from some little technical quibbles that only people who know a lot about naval aviation and the military will have, uh, it was really good. I give it a good solid three stars. Did you see this movie, Tucker? Uh, I, in fact, did. I've seen it a couple of times, and I'm probably going to go back and see it a third time because it's uniquely, you know, it's modern and yet old school. It's It feels like that golden age of cinema where, you know, things were done practically, where, you know, actors drown just because, well, it'd make the scene better. Um, I actually, I, I would count against one, one of your points, actually, that I looked it up. Uh, there's a great video online of how they made, it's a little bit of the behind the scenes of how they made the um, flying scenes. Um, they didn't actually CGI the terrain. A lot of, it was really the main CGI stuff was with the planes, the enemy planes. You know, for obvious reasons, they couldn't actually get an SU-76 to do a Cobra spin. Um, because but, there's no such thing as an SU-76. But that's no, okay. But it's not, I know it's not an actual thing, but like, you know, in the movie. But yeah. it, it, but it's still, it still is, um, you know, the CGI is really not noticeable. Um, unlike the cat, which is probably getting on mic right now. Um, the cat did not see this movie. The cat did not see this movie, and I count that against the cat. But, you know, overall, I agree with a lot of the points. I think the, the romance is just small enough for you to not really be annoyed by it in the movie. You know, it's not exactly compelling, but it's not exactly intrusive. Uh, I liked the um, I liked the score was um, a bit better than the original. I still I still play the, um, the new version of the uh, Top Gun theme. I, I think... If I were to buy a CD album of any uh, of this year's movies um, soundtrack, I would definitely go for Top Gun Maverick. Just overall, I think this is a real, sh really, sh real showing of what a practical movie can look like, which is kind of interesting considering Joseph Kaczynski is known for you know Tron Legacy, which is <laughs> sorry a big a big CGI. Um, mess to most people. Um, I haven't actually seen it, but I've, I've seen some clips in it, so I'm excited to see, especially the next Tom, uh, Tom Cruise movie, Mission Impossible uh, 7, Dead, yeah, Re yeah, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Oh my gosh. Yes, that's the only bad thing about Top Gun Maverick, is that it's going to make a bajillion dollars end to end. It did. And we're going to have to put up with Tom Cruise for another 10 years. But yep. maybe it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, $1.3 billion dollars Worldwide, and right now it's ninth on the domestic um, uh, box office list all time. There you go. I say three and a half. Oh, I'm sorry. Another you said three, and, three and, a half. and a half stars. Again with the three and a half. Yes, okay. that's fine. you know because it's okay. Maybe maybe three point seven five. Oh, Because I, I enjoyed I enjoyed it, um, but you know, I think the first movie was a little bit more gung ho about you know in the navy all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Recruiting Which, stations, uh, all that stuff. No, that song was not in either movie. Yeah, but it, it probably should have been the you know the way the way the first movie went. So, okay, moving on. In addition to uh, giving you information and insight into movies that you can see at the theater, we also pick a movie that is available on streaming that we think is worth your while. I'll go ahead and start. I picked a movie from 1995, directed by Brian Singer, 
with Kevin Spacey, Gabriel Byrne, Chaz Palminteri. In fact, a whole cast of solid B-plus listers. Kevin Pollack, Pete Postlewaite, and even Stephen Baldwin. But don't hold Stephen Baldwin against it. He does a really good job. The name of the movie, of course, is The Usual Suspects. Now, uh, aside from the fact that we now know that Kevin Spacey is icky, this is an excellent film. Um, it is a story of a heist gone wrong, of deep plots, and of arguably the most impressive silent bad man ever in the history of cinema, Kaiser Sose. Uh, it has a great twist ending, um, and it is a very rare film in the sense it has moments of violence, moments of tension, but also moments of comedy. And in the end, you feel like you've watched something really interesting. The Usual Suspects is available to stream on Amazon Prime, and I give it four stars, which you will not hear often from the Gen Z dad. What did you think, Tucker? I think there's a reason movies like The Usual Suspects don't get made today. Me used to the you know movies um, of today was a bit confuzzled by the quote-unquote intricate plotting, aka means the entire movie is done with flashbacks that kind of but only sometimes make sense. It's a note for our Gen Z listeners: you cannot watch this movie and your phone at the same time. Proceed. <laughs> I just I I think it's a. It's a good movie. The performances are solid. The the twist ending is is uh, one of the better of, of twist endings, considering how that has been overused in recent years. Um, I think you know there's a reason why plots have become simpler is because if you don't give this movie every single second of your your brain space, which does not always mean occasionally checking your phone, it it really punishes you for not you know, paying attention, oh, you know, did you see this or that? Or, oh, you know, if you could figure it out. It, it, you know, it's it's not trying to make you figure it out, but at the same time, great mystery movies are like a spider web, and this one's kind of like it just rained, and the spider web's kind of sticky, and now it's kind of dissolving, and now it's fallen, and it's a big web of fluid on, on the bottom of a, a barn. It's, I, I, I don't think... How many stars, Zoomer? <sighs> Two. Two! I, Ugh. It's just not my kind of film. It's just not your kind of film. Okay. Okay. As we said, The Usual Suspects is available on Amazon Prime. And you can check it out. Tucker, what was your streamed video? Well, it's my favorite movie. It's simple. I thought, you know, we'd start out episode one with my favorite movie wait, wait, ever. Wait, it's your favorite movie ever. 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 Listen up, listeners. This is Tucker's favorite movie ever. Yes. Please proceed. Written and directed by Brad Bird. It is a uh, Pixar and Walt Disney joint. Released in June 29th, uh, 2007. 111 minutes long. It stars Patton Oswalt. But you won't really see Patton Oswalt because he is a rat. That is right. This is Ratatouille, my favorite movie available to stream, quite obviously, on Disney+. Um, it it's it's hard to describe. Ratatouille is just a masterpiece of film. It is rich in setting and in story. It feels like an indie film that, you know, despite its $150 million budget, which 
did score 623 worldwide. Um, it's It feels like an, an indie film, like an art house kind of thing. It's more about people going through life. It kind of feels like uh, Lady Bird, you know, or something like that, where it's just a story that continues. His goal, the, the Remy's goal at the beginning of the movie, which is to become a famous chef, is realized within the first few minutes. But it's, then what? It's just the continuation of life, I will say. It's not exactly a, a, um, yeah, a movie that, oh, it's, you know, it's famous for its villain. This is no Dark Knight. It's more about the protagonist, especially the setting and the animation is just, vibrant in color. It, it actually is the best visual representation of taste I've ever seen on screen. It's not the only reason, but it is one of the many reasons why I give this a four out of four stars, my favorite movie ever. I think it's, it's brilliant. If you haven't watched it, uh, you should. And now uh, he, my father will proceed to rip it to shreds. <laughs> well, the good news for you is it is a very good movie. I take exception with the notion that it is the best movie. I think the fact that it is your favorite movie—I I mean, means I you've got I a few more movies I didn't, to see. I didn't but, say it was the best movie. I said it was my favorite. Okay, I think there are movies fine. that are better made, better, you know, visualized. This is just the one that I like the most. That to, to be clear, that for makes a clear, sense. And I will also disagree with you in that I think it does have a very effective villain, although it turns out to not be the uh, the primary villain. But the this. Scenes in which uh, Peter O'Toole's restaurant reviewer uh, is given any amount of time, he absolutely steals. And of course, uh, the scene at the end where he has a flashback on his childhood driven by the, by the flavors that are given to him uh, at Remy's restaurant is truly beautiful and truly touching. Um, and that is a real gift. Uh, it also has a lot of very funny moments. The chefs in the kitchen are all very interesting. The man who says, I have killed three men with this thumb. Oh, yeah, that's... that's oh, I, said little... it, I said it wrong. I'll say it again. I have killed three men with this thumb. It's <laughs> great. Uh, and, of course, Janine Garofalo is very unannoying, which is uh, contrary to pattern with her, and she does an excellent job as the uh, primary love interest for the chef who is used as a marionette by the rat. Yep. It's very complicated, Linguini. people. Linguini. Thank you. Yes, it's extremely well done. It's a high-quality Disney product. Um, not the greatest film ever made. It has have some real beauty in it. And I give it a good solid three stars. Viewers. So in conclusion, for our inaugural show, we've picked four good movies. They're all very much worth your time. Um, no, some would disagree on that. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. If you can get your face out of your phone... Usual suspects will be worth your time. We don't know what we'll do next time, but we'll do something. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but these were all great movies. Well, some your Back thing. in the day, that's how we had to do it. That was the only option we had. We were sitting in the cinema, and it was dark, and there was nothing else to do except watch what was on the screen back in the Gen X days. <coughs> I can't do that voice for very long. <clears throat> See you next time really... at Generation Gap Theater. Say goodbye to them. Generation Gap Cinema, actually. Oh, Cinema, Cinema. Generation Gap Cinema. So much classier. Of course.